0: job
2: Good morning, everyone. Good to see all of you. You can make your way to your seats. It's uh, great to be uh, in this place together. Many of you I know have already been here for a while, enjoying our, uh, our Sunday school and our opportunity to learn and to grow together. Uh, and so it's, um, it's always a privilege to be able to, um, to gather in any space, but especially here in our church building. And uh, it's, it's a good reminder that we should be grateful for all the resources that the Lord gives us, we have many blessings from God, and we are to use any blessing we receive from him to bless others, and in doing so, bring him glory. Amen? During the week, our strength can often be sapped. We can feel like as we drag towards Saturday and Sunday on the weekend that Sometimes we just sense that our our strength has been kind of dwindling and we need to be re-energized and refocused and that's an important part of gathering on Sunday morning is to be recharged and refueled and refreshed for a new week ahead of us. But to also be reminded that our strength comes from God himself. In the book of Judges chapter 7 There's a story of Gideon fighting a battle, and it says, the Midianites and the Amalekites and all the other eastern peoples had settled in the valley, and they were thick as locusts. Their camels could no more be counted than the sand of the seashore. It means there was a lot of them, Early in the morning, Gideon and all his men camped at the spring of Herod. Now the camp of Midian, that was the enemy, was north of them in the valley near the hill of Morah. And the Lord said to Gideon, you have too many men. I cannot deliver Midian into your hands or Israel would boast against me saying, my own strength has saved me. Now announce to the army, anyone who trembles with fear may turn back and leave Mount Gilead. So 22,000 men left, while 10,000 remained. So they still had 10,000 to fight against their enemy. But then the Lord said to Gideon, there's still too many men. Take them down to the water, and I will thin them out for you there. So if I say, this one shall go with you, he shall go. But if I say, this one shall not go with you, he shall not go. So Gideon took the men down to the water, and there the Lord told him, separate those who lap the water with their tongues as a dog laps from those who kneel down to drink. 300 of them, only 300 of them, drank from cupped hands, lapping like dogs. All the rest got down on their knees to drink. So the Lord said to Gideon, With these 300 men, I will save you and give the Midianites into your hands. went from 32,000 men to 300. Let all the others go home, God said. So Gideon sent the rest of the Israelites home, but kept the 300 who took over the provisions and the trumpets. And then it says this. Now the camp of Midian lay below him in the valley, During that night, the Lord said to Gideon, get up, go down against the camp, because I am going to give it into your hands. See, God wanted Gideon to know that his strength would come from God and God alone, not from the number of men. Oftentimes, we can try to live our lives in our own strength, and perhaps we've done that at times this week. But we gather on a Sunday morning to have our strength renewed through encouragement, through hearing of the word of the Lord, because our strength comes from God. It's a blessing to gather together to have our strength renewed in the Lord, to be refreshed and renewed. We will be renewed in strength, even as we're reminded of the great and unfathomable love of God for us in Christ. So, as we begin a new week, be blessed, church. Be blessed in the truth of Paul's prayer for the church in Ephesus, which is also for us today. Listen to these words as our call into worship. For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, May our strength be renewed today, our strength in the Lord. Let's stand and pray. Father, as we enter into this time of worship, the sound of the music stir up our emotions and our spirit. May may the words that we sing and the words that we read, may they be these words of truth that we need this morning, the words of truth that we can even sing back to you as praise for every blessing that you pour out on us. We want to turn back to be praise and glory to you. But Father, we desire to have our strength renewed because our strength comes from you. So Lord, as we worship you now, may you be blessed. And through that blessing, may we be renewed of strength, reminded of who we are in you. Thank you for being our God. We worship you now for your glory. And through the Holy Spirit's leading, and in the name of Jesus, amen. The so church, let's worship him together. stops working. Amen? Amen. Take a moment to say good morning to somebody next to you.
0: For the question marks. This is for the outcast so lost control. No one knows. Single for the can't go back. Single for the broken past. Single for the just found out life is now upside down. If you're looking for hope tonight,
2: Praise the Lord. It's awesome. Praise the Lord for great worship and great fellowship. Amen. Amen. Well, again, thanks for joining us. I trust that you've been blessed with our time so far and our worship. I just want to uh, just give a quick update on a few things, our church life. Um, We have our Thanksgiving Eve service coming up. That's this Wednesday, of course. We're going to meet at 630. In the sanctuary. That's this Wednesday at 6 30. Uh, and uh, it'll be mostly a time of testimony. So we'll have a, a brief message from the word and, of course, some worship through music. But most of our time together on Wednesday night will be spent sharing stories. And it's your opportunity to just share a brief story or two of what God has done or is doing in your life. It is a time to praise and a time to give thanks, and uh, it's a special opportunity, and so if you have the time, I encourage you to come on out, spend an hour or so with us, and then after our time of testimony, uh, if you can stay, we'll have a time of fellowship and have some pie and coffee and and talk about what our plans are going to be for the next day, and then, of course, continuing to give thanks, and so uh, we know as believers, we're to give thanks every day, and in all ways for God for who he is and what he has done. But uh, we love to set this time aside uh, to, um, to celebrate with family and friends, right? Thanksgiving. And so hopefully you can make it out Wednesday night at 6.30 here in the sanctuary for our uh, Thanksgiving Eve service. There's many ways to get involved at Trinity. Uh, just continue to check our website, trinityallenwood.com. Make sure you stay connected. Sign up for our prayer emails and for our text updates. You can find all that information on our website, uh, coming up, so on December 2nd, that's in two weeks, it's a Friday night, is our annual Women's Ministry Christmas Party uh, at the Millers, and so if you have any questions, you can see Sally Miller, uh, or one of the ladies involved with our uh, Women's Ministry, but um, uh, that is Friday night, December 2nd, so make sure you register and sign up for that, ladies. And then the next day on December 3rd, we're going to have anybody that's available to come that Saturday morning to help us decorate for Christmas. We have a lot of uh, decorations that go up, a bunch of trees that happen, and decorations and everything. So it'll be wonderful uh, to just have a few people out to, to, to help us out. So that'll be Saturday morning, December 3rd, and we'll send a, a reminder about that. You don't have to sign up for that, but we're just uh, asking you to put that on your mental calendar. Put that on your phone now. Saturday morning, December 3rd, that we're going to gather here, anybody that can, for a little while to help us decorate for the Christmas season uh and uh so before we move on to opening god's word and getting into our next step of the discipleship pathway we have a, a word of testimony i was just talking about testimonies for wednesday night so brother andrew if you can come up and he's going to share about our outreach yesterday you know we tried to do an outreach at least once a month and yesterday was our outreach to let me go to um uh, working alongside the Jersey Shore Rescue Mission, in Asbury Park, with their annual coat giveaway. So Andrew's going to share a few words.
3: Good morning, Trinity. I don't think I need the microphone, right?
2: Yeah, you do. Yeah, you do. You...
3: <laughs> I was just want to say, give glory to God. We gave 1,600-plus coats away yesterday. Yes. He is so good, so amazing. We've seen people come up with flip-flops, sandals that needed shoes. I mean, just give them to these people. We've seen the little ones from my church come. Just like Pastor Keith was about to do spiritual gifts. They came and served yesterday. You know, we've seen new faces come out. Me and my wife seen new faces come out in the ministry. It's just amazing. And our team was out there, you know. My wife, me, Prima, um, Angela. A whole, if people that wasn't out there, y'all was out there with us because you did it for the least of them, you did it unto me. So we was actually giving out quotes to Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. If you haven't come out to one of, the, one of these outreach, I, I encourage you to come out because it's so inspirational. Janice was out there. It was, it was kind of cold, but we felt warm. We felt the warmth of Jesus Christ just hugging us. As you've seen these people in the, lined it up from down. i never seen so many people. I think this, this was one of the top five ministries that we did this year. It was, it was so nice just to be out there, just to give a coat to the littles with the smile. Give, give hot chocolate, oatmeal. When you're hungry, standing in the line, waiting for the coats. I mean, we got a little persecuted out there too, but it was all good for Lord our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. But it's just amazing how we was able to do that as a family. Bruce, Bruce and Bessie Neri, they was out there. I mean, just seeing them out there bring a smile to my face i was security you know walking around patrolling they thought i was a cop out there you know <laughs> and my friend kevin was good security i mean it was just a family if i knew god's presence was out there just come out that's what i'm trying to encourage you guys just to come out because you don't know what god's going to do in the ministry you know and these people was in dire need of coats little kids was just so happy but i want to bring up to the stage enough of me talking i want little chris and his sister to come up and give a brief testimony
4: hi my name is christopher and i was at the the um what was it? the jersey shore rescue mission and i was handing out hot chocolate with my friend uh um brian and he was giving out oatmeal and i was giving out hot chocolate and i at least gave out at least a 100 maybe even more hot chocolates and i'm just so happy to see that people are going to get coats well it's sad but i'm i was happy to see people give out coats and getting coats so they could like live and and not be cold during their life and I'm just so happy to see everybody like like at least five hundred people were there and I saw tons of homeless people but I was helping out a lot and my sister Autumn was too and um I was just so happy and it was sad to see people without coats and a lot of people had no teeth and a lot of people didn't speak English. So we're helping out helping out a lot and helping our neighbors and all all the people on the streets too so i just want my sister to talk hi when i went to the jersey shore rescue mission yesterday it made me realize how much i have I saw very sweet people that were very grateful for everyone doing this. It made me sad to have to see people suffer, but it made me feel good inside to help them. One little boy, I loved helping and He was so sweet. His family was also very sweet. It made me feel so happy that he was so excited to have his new jacket. And also, when he put it on right i saw some people that had little clothing some people were alone with no family and that also made me feel sad i love seeing everyone help overall this trip made me feel very very blessed and this will be a day that i will never forget
2: praise the lord i feel like i should say amen and we can go home now because Man, praise the Lord. What a testimony in God's Word. And so, well, we are grateful for our young ones, right? Getting out there and serving and uh, putting some feet to their faith, right? And uh, so, thank you. And so, if any of, of our uh, kids are going to make their way down the hall for, for kids' uh, class, they can do that now. So glad they, they stuck around to hear that. So thank you for sharing. And I would encourage all the adults, uh, after service, if you get a minute or on your way out, just uh, connect with one of them, Chris or Autumn, and just say thank you and bless them and encourage them, all right? Um, I'm sure it'd mean a lot to them, but uh, I'm sure we were already encouraged. The power of testimony, right? The power of just sharing your story about what God has done in your life. And it's what we'll do on Wednesday night at our Thanksgiving Eve service, but it's something that we should consider uh, you know, making that a regular part of our walk with the Lord, that we tell others um, what God has been doing how we see him working, and even uh, just that willingness to step out of your comfort zone and to share and to bless and to serve. It's what it's all about. And this morning, even as we uh, discuss our topic, you'll hear that it really is, the Christian walk is really just about others, being others-focused, about loving God and loving others, serving them where they are, and using the gifts that God has given you. Would you just pray with me as we open God's word together? Father, thank you so much for how blessed we've already been. But Lord, as we open your word, and as we take a look at uh, just this another important aspect of being a disciple of yours, my prayer, Lord, is that, of course, um, the power of your word would change and transform us, that we would not be the same when we leave this place than we were when we walked in, and we would give you all the glory for it. In the name of Jesus, amen. So sometime a while back in the Pacific Northwest, there was an opening for a new position as a lumberjack at a local sawmill. There was one young, uh, young lumberjack applied for the job, and he was eventually hired. But see, he only had experience using an axe. And in fact, He was the best in the whole region for using his axe to fell the trees. He would normally cut down five trees a day with his trusty axe. However, this sawmill used chainsaws, and at the time, that was a big deal. It was their new technology. So on the first day of the job, his supervisor greeted him, handed him a brand new chainsaw, showed him the area he was to go work, And told him to report back at the end of the day how many trees he had cut down. So he did. So at the end of the first day, he proudly reported back that he had cut down two trees. But quickly realized that all of his co-workers had each cut down 30 trees. So the next day, he tried even harder, and he cut down three trees. But again, his co-workers cut down 30 trees each. So on the third day, his supervisor, being a little taken aback by this, he went with him to the work site to see how he could help the young lumberjack, to see why he was struggling to keep up. So they approached the work area and they came upon the first tree, and his supervisor told the lumberjack to show him how he cuts down the trees. So the young lumberjack proceeded to lift up the new chainsaw put it up against a tree, and started moving it back and forth like this, like a saw. So the supervisor was stunned. So he took the chainsaw, started it up, and showed the lumberjack how to use it. See, it's important to first know the job that you're tasked to do. But then you have to know the tools that you have to do the job. You have to use the right tool for the right job. Did you ever try to fix something with the wrong tool? Did you ever have to pull a nail out of a piece of wood and all you had was a screwdriver? But not only do you have to use the right tool for the right job, you have to use the right tool the right way for the right job. See, we've all been given a tool to use to do a job. But we need to know what that tool is, what it's for, how it works, and of course, how to use it. I am talking about our spiritual gifts. As we go through the discipleship pathway, which is this initiative that we launched uh, at the end of September, this is our tool that we will continue to use going forward here at Trinity to help us stay on track with being disciples of Jesus Christ, being growing followers of Jesus, I believe it will become a powerful tool that will become part of the DNA and the culture here at Trinity to help us help each other grow as disciples. Because it lays out, and you've been aware of this, you've been with us for the the last eight or nine weeks, it lays out the pathway. It's not a linear path, although we all start at the same place, which is trusting in Jesus alone for the salvation of your sin, from your sin. And so we all start at the same point, but then every other touch point, every other stepping stone on the pathway, we may reach at different points in our journey, and it may look a little different, but yet every step, all 12 areas are important and vital for every disciple to give attention to as they journey with Jesus. And so we have reached that step called discover your spiritual gifts. So today we're going to take a very sweeping overview of our spiritual gifts. There are many of them, depending on how you combine them, there's at least 21, probably 22 gifts. And so as you can imagine, there's a lot that goes along with understanding the gifts and how to use them and discovering like what our gifts, our gifts are. So in our, our time this morning, we're just going to get a, an overview of the spiritual gifts, where we find them in Scripture, what each of them briefly are, and how we can discover them. But the most important thing I want us to realize is that these spiritual gifts, given to us by the Holy Spirit at the moment of salvation, are tools. They are tools that we need to use to help build up the body of Christ. So you think of them as tools as you're going to build a home. Some of them lay the foundation, and some of them continue on to build up the church. And God is giving them to us through the Holy Spirit. What a privilege it is to be a worker for him in the ministry. Because Jesus said he will build his church, but this is how he chooses to do it. Through the Holy Spirit within us to give us these tools to bless each other, and in doing so, building up the church. These are our spiritual gifts. And of course, if we don't know what they are and we don't know their purpose and how to use them, we won't be effective in the work and the ministry of the church. And realize this we've all been given at least one tool, one gift, and we are responsible to use it to serve each other and therefore build up the church. Now, we call them spiritual gifts. Why spiritual? Because they're from God. You don't create your own gifting. They come from God. They're spiritual. And it's a gift. It is given to you. You don't choose which one you desire. It's really important. So it's a spiritual gift. It's from God, and it's a gift to you. You don't choose it God, through his spirit in you, gives you your gifts. Ephesians 4 says that we have these gifts to be equipped for the ministry. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints that's all of us for the work of the ministry for building up the body of Christ. It says it right there in Ephesians 4. Paul is encouraging that church in Ephesus. He said, look, we've been given gifts to equip the saints, so we're all equipped with the tools we need to do the work of the ministry to build up the body of Christ. You see that? It's a tool that we're all equipped with to build, to build up the church, equipped to do the work. And of course, when we're given a tool, we need to be trained how to use it or else we'll try to use a brand new chainsaw like an old tooth saw, right? We need to be trained how to use it. And then, of course, we need to know what the tools are and what their purposes are. So here at Trinity, part of this discipleship pathway today is giving us the overview of what these gifts are, what they mean, the purpose, and and how to start discovering them if you don't know yet what they are. But what we want to do going forward, especially into the new year, is help all of you have the resources you need to do those things to discover your gifts in, in, in a more intense way, like a more detailed way, a more focused way. What are your gifts? What are they for? Let's define them and how do you use them? How can you use your spiritual gifts here to bless Trinity and then to the greater universal church around the world to all believers? So that's an important part of what the leadership here at Trinity wants to do, is make sure you have all the resources you need to grow in every area of being a disciple, including spiritual gifts, discovering what they are, and using them. See, the purpose of the church is to glorify God, equip the saints, and evangelize the lost. It's really three main things Ultimately, all we do is to glorify God. That's why we exist as a body of believers to bring glory to God. And we do that by being equipped and evangelizing. Meaning we're equipping the saints, we're growing as disciples, learning and growing and serving. And then, of course, we're bringing the good news of the gospel to our community and the world around us. Today, we focus on the equipping part. So the question is, what tools does God give us through his spirit? Every believer, Scripture says, and we'll see those passages in a moment, receives the Holy Spirit at the moment of salvation. So that moment that you believe in Jesus for the salvation from the penalty of your sin, when you believe that Jesus is who he says he is, the Son of God, the Savior, the one and only, and that he did what he said he was going to do, die on the cross and come back to life, and that he did that for you, At that moment, you are saved. And at that moment, you also receive the gift of the Holy Spirit to indwell in you forever until the Lord takes us home. But see, the Holy Spirit has many ministries in the life of the believer. And one of those important ministries is to give us spiritual gifts to use to bless others. And I hope you see that as we go through the list of the gifts in in just a minute or two. You'll see that they are all others focused. The gifts we are given by the Spirit Church are not for our own self edification. They're not for our benefit, so we can puff each other, you know, puff ourselves up. It is to bless other people. It is other focused. And it is to be focused on other brothers and sisters in Christ. 1 Corinthians 12 says it this way. and Paul says, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. So he starts to explain it. So in 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14, those three chapters, and there's others we'll get to, but Paul outlines many of the spiritual gifts, and he says, I don't want you to be unaware uninformed about these and how to use them. So he goes on to talk about it. So in verse 4 of 1 Corinthians 12, he says, Now, there's a variety of gifts, and we'll look at those in a minute, but, and this is important, a variety of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, meaning how we use them, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it's the same God who empowers them all in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. I'm going to read that again. That's 1 Corinthians 12, verse 7. To each, that's each believer, is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. He's talking to believers. He's talking to the church. We all have at least one gift as believers. But there's a beautiful variety in the gifts, but the same Spirit. A variety of how they're used, the same Lord. A variety of all the activities, the outcomes, but the same God. And listen, it says, God is the one who empowers them all in everyone. That's why we say we don't choose that gift for ourselves, and we don't use it under our own strength. God empowers us to use them. So we'll do three brief things this morning. I'm going to give you a brief overview uh, of uh, just an understanding of basically the gifts. I'll give you the list of the gifts and a brief description of each, and then we'll finally get to how to discover your gifts. If you like to take notes in your Bible or the notebooks that, that we have available, this would be a great Sunday to do it. If you're in the back, there's usually some on the tables. Feel free, if you really wanna take notes, you can get up and take one from our Connection Center. Um, feel free, sometimes we will take pictures of the slides or you wanna ask me after, it's great. But again, this is a sweeping overview. Okay, This could be a whole series, of course, a whole course on the spiritual gifts because there's nuances to them. There's debate about which gifts are for today. Are they all for today? or Have some ceased for certain reasons and some continue? Which ones are they? And then, of course, how do we discover them? Right. So we are all to do the work of the ministry. That's clear. Each and every believer has a job to do. And we have all been given at least one tool, one gift to do that. Now, we are to use them where you serve. How you serve in the church is strongly dependent on your spiritual gift. Of course, you can certainly serve in any area and bless people. But for the church to be, listen, the healthiest and to grow the strongest, we are to know our gifts, discover our gifts, and then use them to bless each other. So there's four main passages you see there up on the screen where we see all of the gifts listed. Some are repeated. But to get all the, the gifts together, you want to look at Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12, Ephesians 4, 1 Peter 4. You can remember that. Twelve, Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12, Ephesians 4, 1 Peter 4. All right? And... Uh, you go to those chapters and you will see, put them all together, and you will see the list of the gifts. So here's a brief overview. I won't, I'm not going to uh, turn and read each of those, but we will give a list of all the gifts in just a second. So some observations, right? some overviews of the nature and purpose of the gifts. Number one, the spiritual gift is an ability to serve the church. Our gifts are not given us by the Holy Spirit, spiritual gifts, to bless the world at large. However, the world will be blessed if we are blessing each other because then the church is designed to be a blessing to the world. Salt and light, am I right? Uh, uh, Am I right or no? Okay, thank you. A city, sorry, a city on a hill. And so yes, the world will be blessed by us using and employing our spiritual gifts But they are designed to bless the church, the brothers and sisters in Christ. First, your local assembly, your local body of believers, this local representation, right, of the the global church, but then, of course, all believers everywhere. But the world at large will be blessed as we bless each other with our gifts. So the spiritual gift is an ability to serve the church. It is authorized and empowered by God through the Holy Spirit. First Corinthians 12, to each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Really important. Number two, they are given by God, and most of these are adapted from a treatment of this subject by Dr. Andy Woods. He's a pastor, teacher at a church in uh, uh, Texas, and so I've adapted this from a work that he did uh, on the spiritual gifts. And so next, after being an ability to serve the church, we realize too, this is important, that they are given by God. You don't learn it. You don't go to school and say, I don't know anything, I wanna learn this because a school is not gonna give you the gift. God gives you the gift. You can and should develop it, of course, once you discover it. You wanna hone it, you wanna exercise it, you wanna grow in it, that's very important. When you're given the gift, you don't have it perfectly and like you have it all figured out but you have the gift, you always have that gift, and you can develop it once it's discovered. But it is given by God's will. You don't choose it. You don't look at the list I'm going to give later and just say, okay, I want this one. God gives it to you. It's for his reasons and his will. Hebrews 2, four. while God also bore witness by signs and wonders and various miracles and by gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to his will. So he distributes them as he likes. Also, the spiritual gifts, they are given at the time of spiritual birth. So at the moment that you are born again by believing in Jesus Christ, believing that he is who he says he is, did what he said he was going to do, and he did it for you, at that moment, you receive the Holy Spirit and you are given at least one gift. Spiritual birth, Hebrews 2, Again, while God also bore witness by signs and wonders and various miracles, as I just read, by the gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to his will. In Romans 8, 9, you, however, you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if in fact the Spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him, because every single believer has the Holy Spirit indwelling them, and that Spirit gives us gifts. The gifts are also given... To create unity, like a body. Paul often describes the church as a body, doesn't he? He does that in 1 Corinthians and elsewhere. So we are called a body. And so, Paul, the Apostle Paul, as you read through his letters, you will notice that there's a big theme with the Apostle Paul, and that is unity in the church. Why? Because as he planted these churches and came back around a little while later, he noticed already there was disunity and disharmony. In fact, the main reason he wrote First Corinthians was to address the misuse of gifts and other things that they were doing out of um, personal pride and not of love. So he was addressing all of these issues in the church, including the misuse of their spiritual gifts, because Paul was so concerned about the unity in the church. Boy, we know and we talk all about division in our country and our world, don't we? There's division over things there shouldn't be division about. Paul talks about unity, spiritual unity in the spiritual body that is the church. He says, look, he's basically saying to us, if you want there to be unity in the world, you want people to get along, the church has to exemplify it. The church has to model it. We are that city on the hill, the light, right? And we are the salt and light. And so we are to be unified. And Paul had such a heart for unification of the church, He says, you know what? The gifts are given as part of that unification process. Like the body, Ephesians 4 says, I therefore, this is Paul, a prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. With all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. He says, because there's one body and one spirit just as you were called to the one hope, to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. See, Paul says one, one, one. Unity, unity, unity. Now look, if we are using our gifts and in interacting with one another in humility, gentleness, patience, and love, won't there be unity? Will be. Also, spiritual gifts are given to every believer, and we all have at least one. 1 Corinthians 12 says, but to each one is given a manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. So to each one, to each believer. Ephesians 4 again, but to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gifts. And 1 Peter 4, as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. I love that, First Peter 4.10. As each, every believer, has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Also, these gifts, they are different from natural abilities. That's important too. You see, I, I look at it this way. So we are born physically and we are born spiritually when we accept Christ as Savior, when we believe in him. So it's those two births that we can have reference to, right? A reference point. So when we are born, our biological birth, our physical birth, we inherit different traits and DNA from our parents. And of course, we have been given different um, talents and abilities that then kind of you know, reveal themselves, and then we grow in them as we get older. Some are, are better athletes or musicians than others. Some are better at math than others. You, you get the point, right? That, that we have been given natural abilities at birth that we inherit, that God has given us, of course, the moment that he creates us in our mother's womb. But spiritual gifts are given at spiritual birth. See, natural talents are given at natural birth. Spiritual gifts are given at spiritual birth, and then both are developed as we grow. But spiritual gifts are developed as we grow spiritually, as we walk with the Lord, as we journey with Jesus as disciples. So, that would then go to reason that if we are not growing spiritually, If we're not maturing in our faith, learning to trust God more and more by reading His Word and praying and fellowshipping and using your gift, if we're not growing spiritually, you won't grow in your gift. And you know what the result is? The church will not be blessed. Because if you think about it again, as Paul calls us the body, if we have parts of the body that aren't functioning properly because we're not using the God-given gifts that we have to bless each other, then we're going to feel it. What do you do when you wake up in the morning and your arm is killing you? Now you've got to use your other arm for everything, right? Because your right arm is not working, it's not cooperating, doing what it should be doing, then every other part of your body has to compensate somehow. I was talking to a friend yesterday about different issues we have with our feet. I guess once you get over 50, it's something you do with your friends, right? Get together, like, what's hurting you today? Oh, I got that. I got that, yeah. But you got that too, man. Yeah, this is, this is what I take for that, you know? That's what happens, right? So we are talking about the issues that we have, their feet and how we can't play golf like we're used to, and it's, oh, man, it's a tragedy, Right? But you realize that when one part of your body isn't working properly, the rest of your body kind of suffers and has to compensate, and of course you're not as healthy as you could be or should be. It's the same with the church. Because every believer that makes up the church, a local body and then the the global church, that we have a gift, at least one gift given to bless each other, to build up the church, Paul says. So if we're not using our gifts, the church will not be built properly, right? It would look like if I tried to go and build a house, right? The foundation won't look so good. The walls will be kind of wonky, right? And they'll be falling apart like a house of cards. But see, we all have to use our gifts given by the Holy Spirit to bless each other. So we all have at least one, but they're different from the natural abilities. Your ability to play music is a beautiful ability, but it's not a spiritual gift. We'd love for you to use that kind of gift here. Your your desire to work with kids, your natural ability to to relate to kids, to kind of speak their language and to bless them, that's not a spiritual gift. Maybe the teaching is. But see, those different talents that you have, you're able to to cook, right? Maybe that goes along with the gift of hospitality we'll look at in a minute, but being able to cook is a great talent and ability that you can hone over time, but it's not a spiritual gift. See, there's a difference between natural abilities and spiritual gifts. Sometimes the natural ability God can use to help us in our spiritual gifts, but we have to make sure we do not confuse the two. Gifts are also diverse, I love that, and applied differently with God's measure and by his will, and so outcomes can be different. If I happen to have, I don't believe I do, but if I happen to have the gift of evangelism, It doesn't mean that uh, the greatest evangelist ever, like maybe the Apostle Paul, that he and I are going to lead the same amount of people to the Lord and have the same effect. No. Just because we have the same gift, it's the same gift given by the same Spirit and the same God, the same Lord, Scripture says. But the outcomes will look different, and how we do it will look different. If I have the gift of teaching and I get together with another teacher You could both be blessed by that, but we're gonna have different personalities, different mannerisms, different approaches to teaching. I think you get the point. So there's a beautiful diversity. God loves that diversity. Just look around the church. You see the beautiful diversity. He applies these gifts differently. The outcomes will be different. We are not to compare to each other and be like, oh, forget it, man. I can't be like that guy. But if you're given the gift, God will bless you to use it but in such a beautiful, diverse, and varied way. Because we are each unique, even with the same gift, for the same purpose, but employed uniquely, with unique results. But that blesses God, because it's all according to his will. Spiritual gifts, we can have more than one. Most of us do, but you can't have all of them. Sorry. Spiritual gifts are different from the fruit of the Spirit. That's important, too, making the distinction between um, natural abilities and spiritual gifts. But also, there's a distinction between the fruit of the Spirit and spiritual gifts. Sometimes we hear it, and we don't think right away, and are like, oh, yeah, that's the same. No, because a gift, a spiritual gift, and we'll get the list in a minute, that is a tool given by God to serve. It's a gift, right, a, an ability God-given to serve others. The fruit of the Spirit is more about our Christian character. The fruit of the Spirit is found in Galatians 5. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Those are not spiritual gifts given by the Spirit. Those are more matters of the Christian character. See? Different lists, different purposes. Both vitally important. These spiritual gifts don't replace... The responsibility is given to all believers. Perfect example, evangelism. There is the gift of evangelism, which means that man or woman has the ability to share the gospel in a way that most other Christians don't. It's a gift given by the Holy Spirit to be extra productive, more efficient, more effective, however you want to describe it, than most other Christians. At the same time, every single believer, whether you have the gift of evangelism or not, is supposed to share the gospel. Do you see the point? So we've all we all have that responsibility so we can't say well we have an evangelist here and he goes around evangelizing and so we'll let him do the evangelism. Oh. He might be the best at it and the evangelist let's say we had one in our church could lead us and inspire us and encourage us and challenge us to all do that right to develop that in us but it doesn't mean we've been given that gift. But yeah we all have to evangelize that's important. So we cannot just replace the responsibility given to all believers, but yet there are gifts. They need to be developed, right? You don't just have it in perfection. You have to use it to develop it. The final thing is we will be held accountable by each other and, of course, by Christ. 2 Corinthians 5.10. We must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each of us may receive what is due us for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. So we will be held accountable on that day the Lord calls us home. Not for our eternal place, that's already secured in our belief in Christ, amen. But we will face a judgment of sorts. It's often called the Bema seat of Christ, the judgment seat of Christ, where every believer will have his works judged. Meaning those things that we have done in the body, that's what Paul says, so that each of us may receive what is due us for the things done while in the body, which means as believers, whether good or bad. So we will be held accountable for using or not using our spiritual gifts. I thought it was a nice thing to kind of end with that one. Wasn't that nice? Can we be held accountable? Let's pray, No. So here is the list now, the long-awaited list, right? Many of you have learned these. Many of you have taken quizzes and tests about you know, how to discover them, what they are, right? There's plenty you can find online. I'm not gonna recommend one or the other. There's some, some that are good you know, that can be helpful, but I think these, these things that I'll mention in a minute will, will maybe be a better start to help us discover them, but here are the gifts, right? So we, again, we find these in Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12, Um, Ephesians 4, 1 Peter 4. Those four passages is where we get this combined list, right? The gift of prophecy, the ability to proclaim God's truth without compromise. And again, as you can imagine, there's some of these that need a lot more attention to describe, to delineate. Can't do it all this morning. That's something hopefully we do in the new year as we spend more individual time going through these. So prophecy, teaching the ability to explain clearly what God has already revealed. Pastor-teacher is listed as a separate one. The ability to equip and mature the body of Christ. Those two words, they really do go together in the Greek. Pastor and teacher, they uh, really are combined. Pastor-teacher. Evangelism, the ability to share the good news of Jesus Christ with unbelievers. Exhortation, the ability to encourage others in the body of Christ. Discernment, or some of your versions say distinguishing of spirits. The ability to detect moral or doctrinal error telling the truth from a lie, administration, the ability to effectively run or marriage, uh, manage a church program, leadership is more the ability to cast a vision and to motivate others. See the difference? A leader is more like casting a vision, right? And then the, the administration is more managing and helping to get it done. Knowledge, if defined properly, the ability to understand complex biblical truths. In a nutshell, that's what knowledge is wisdom. Some of your versions say a word of wisdom. The ability to find knowledge from the scriptures and apply it to daily life. See the difference between knowledge and wisdom? Knowledge is more of that information. You have the understanding of it. Wisdom is when you put it into practice. It is a gift given. Now we're all supposed to be wise. Do you see that? It doesn't mean if you're not given the gift of wisdom by the Holy Spirit that you're foolish. It doesn't mean that. It just means some are able to apply wisdom and lead with wisdom better than others. Service, the ability to minister to practical needs of others. Giving, the ability to give resources with joy so that the needs of the Lord's work are met. By the way, service, that word in the Greek is where we get deacon from, diakonos, service, a servant. Hospitality, the ability to make guests feel comfortable and at home. Mercy. The ability to devote energy toward helping those in difficult circumstances, right? That is mercy. Again, every believer is to show mercy and to be merciful, but some have been given the gift. I think as you think through these, you know some people in your church, Christians in your life, where you could say, yes, that person has that gift. Helps the ability to free up others. From certain responsibilities so that they can exercise their gifts more effectively. Faith, the ability to trust God, especially in the midst of life's difficulties. Some are given that gift. Apostle, a messenger directly chosen by the Holy Spirit, able to perform signs and wonders. A witness of the resurrection of Christ, or to witness the resurrected Christ. It was one of the, those were the criteria for the apostle. A prophet receiving new direct revelation from God to proclaim. A worker of miracles, being able to perform a supernatural task, which means outside of the natural laws that God has given. Tongues, the ability to speak a known language that you did not learn. An interpretation of tongues, obviously very similar and connected, being able to supernaturally interpret a known language, but that you did not learn. Healing, being able to directly heal somebody, and knowledge, again, this is different from knowledge as we describe it properly, but that gift, listed that way, meant a new understanding, a new revelation, very similar to the prophet. So, there are some that are disputed. We call them the disputed gifts. Are they for today or not? I cannot answer that question this morning. I can can answer what I believe the Bible teaches and I'll give you my conviction, right? Part of it is in our doctrinal statement, our statement of faith of the church, but just so you know and be aware that there are some of the gifts that we have to discern and say are all of them for today and active today in believers or were some of them more foundational and, and preparatory for the church, and then others continued, right? It's a much bigger topic. But I think what's helpful, at the very least, is to kind of give some categories to these before we then end with, how do we discover ours, right? So there's four main categories. There's different ways to categorize them. This one I have found the most helpful. Again, thank you to my friend, Dr. Andy Woods, who put this together. And here's the four that kind of makes sense, I think, the, the most sense. There are gifts that are foundational that were given to found the church, right? To to found the church. If you think about building a house, how many times do you build the foundation of the house? Once. You lay the foundation and everything is built upon it. The different rooms, the different walls, the plumbing, everything. You lay the foundation once. So there are some gifts that were, I believe, foundational. To start the church, to lay the foundation. um, Ephesians 2, 20 Having been built, uh, this is the Apostle Paul, he says, having been built on the foundation of the Apostles and the Prophets with Jesus Christ himself being the cornerstone. See, Paul loves illustrations, right? The body, or we're like a building, like a house. He says the Apostles and the Prophets are the foundation. So they laid the foundation of the church and Jesus was that cornerstone because it's all built around Jesus, right? The Apostles and the Prophets seem to be those foundational gifts that are no longer active. Confirmatory, the sign gifts, to confirm what the apostles and the prophets were teaching. Hebrews 2, 3 and 4, uh, the writer of Hebrews says, how will we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? After it was at the first spoken through the Lord, it was confirmed to us by those who heard, God also testifying with them both by signs and wonders and various miracles and by gifts of the Holy Spirit according to his own will. So saying again, through the working of miracles, through the speaking of tongues, through healing, through being an apostle and a prophet and all that went along with it, they were foundational and some were even confirmatory, we say. They were confirming the message that Christ gave to his first apostles and prophets. Then there are some we call revelatory, which comes that word revealing, right? Like a person that was given some of these gifts to reveal a direct divine revelation from God. Remember, church, this is important. These these first believers, right, were working according to God's power through the gifts of the Holy Spirit before they had the completed Bible, Right? We have the Bible here, 66 books. They did not have that yet. It had not yet been completed. We call that the canon of Scripture. All 66 books that we believe are sanctified and inspired by God. And so, through the giving of some of these gifts to the church, to lay the foundation, to confirm the message and the truth, and of course to reveal that, the very word of God, cause they did not yet have the completed Bible, These were given to establish the church. Jude 3 says, Beloved, while I was making every effort to write to you about our common salvation, I felt the necessity to write to you appealing that you contend earnestly for the faith, which was once for all handed down to the saints. Once for all handed down to the saints, the very word of God that we have. So gifts like being a prophet again apostle speaking in tongues, interpreting, and having that original gift of knowledge, meaning that direct revelation from God, I believe all given, probably the best way to understand it is that they laid the foundation, confirmed the message, and revealed the very word of God. And before we give the last one, edificatory, you want to all say that three times fast? Edificatory. Mm -hmm. Just a big fancy word. To edify, right? All the rest of the gifts, there's about 16 or 17, all the other ones we went through, not including the ones I just mentioned, would be considered edificatory gifts, which means to edify, that they are still for today, to build up the body of Christ. Because you lay the foundation once, but then don't you have to keep building, right? You have to keep building, right? I share the story sometimes, people come to our house, and we show them our house, and um, it's got a lot of rooms, more than we could ever use ourselves, but we're blessed to be able to bless others with it, and people say, how many rooms did this have? And we start talking about the person that we bought it from, as a builder, and he started having a big family. It turned out he had nine kids, and they homeschooled all of them. Think about that, you're all just like, what? So he bought this house as a ranch and they had to keep building. See, the foundation was laid. He had to keep building because he kept having more kids and they were homeschooling them, praise the Lord, and he kept building out and up. He had to create more rooms, right, if you have more kids. It's kind of that idea. So he kept building, but the foundation was laid once. But here's an important thing as I just kind of wrap us up for this morning. First Corinthians 13 what, what does that ring a bell to you? What do we call that, First Corinthians 13? We'll also call that the love chapter, right? talks about love. You'll hear it a lot at weddings, don't you? Love is patient, love is kind, doesn't envy, doesn't boast. I, I'd like to, to, to give you this thought. It's always important to keep Scripture in context. We say as you're reading the Bible, context is king, right? You read a, a verse of the Bible, who wrote it? Who is it written to? Why was it written? What's the bigger chapter it's a part of? What's the book? Where does the book fit into the story of Scripture, right? 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Remember I said earlier that the Apostle Paul who wrote the letter of 1 Corinthians to the church in Corinth, he was writing to them because they had a lot of issues. And he was writing because, specifically, they were using their gifts, using other blessings of the Lord improperly. He was trying to right the ship for this church. This church seemed to be very blessed and very gifted and very knowledgeable. But they see, they weren't using those gifts and that knowledge and they weren't blessing others out of love. It was so much done to cause division and from a place of pride. So, he specifically, in chapters 12, 13, and 14 of 1 Corinthians, he addresses spiritual gifts. Because they had many gifts, but they were using them improperly. So right in the middle of those three chapters, chapter 13, he talks about love. Did you know that the love chapter, Paul wrote to address how to use the spiritual gifts? Because what does he say? And I won't read the whole chapter, but he's like, you can have all these gifts, but if you don't have love, you're just like a, a, a sounding gong. He's just like, what does it matter? It's going to hurt people's ears. It's good for nothing. See, all the gifts are vitally important, and they're all connected. But he said, if you don't have love, if you're not using them out of love, then what's it worth? What's going to be created is what we had in the church in Corinth, a very gifted church, a very blessed church. But they were using it for the wrong reasons, and so people were not being blessed, and the church was not growing. They are going down the wrong road. So Paul writes this letter. And then in those chapters, especially chapter 13, he talks about love. And then he says, faith, hope, and love abide. But the greatest of these is love. Why? One day, there will be no need for faith. When Jesus comes back, we won't need to have faith. One day, there'll be no need for hope because we will see Jesus face to face. There'll be no need to hope for anything, but won't we always need love for all eternity? Why? Because God is love, and we will be in his presence for the rest of eternity. Love will prevail. Love will last. So Paul's saying even the gifts, there will be at that moment that we see Jesus face to face, whether it's when he calls us home or he comes for the church and the rapture and takes us all home together, There won't be a need for faith. There won't be a need for hope. There won't even be a need to use the spiritual gifts. It's for the church as long as the church is here on earth until Jesus calls us home. So he's even saying, you know what, keep it in perspective. These gifts are important. If we want to grow and be built up as the church and be healthy and strong and be a witness to the world and show them the love that we have But you know what underneath, if it's not done out of love, it's all going to crumble like a house of cards. So he says, build that foundation on love, and never forget that love is the most important, because the greatest of those is love. So in whatever gifts you have, whatever gifts you determine that God has given you, use them out of love. So finally, real quick, how do we discover your gifts? There's no one formula Unfortunately, to break that to you, it's not a formula where you, you just kind of check the boxes and you fill in the words like, boom, that's it. There are some helpful tools out there. Check them out. I can Google it. I'm sure it's all over the internet, different ones you can do online. I've done a few in the past, and they can be helpful. Just consider these things. As you heard those gifts and you go back to Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12, Ephesians 4, 1 Peter 4, look at the gifts yourselves. Consider these things as you... Discover your gift, because as a believer, you have at least one. Know what the gifts are, first of all, that was sort of the purpose of today, and their purposes. go do a deeper study. Don't ever take my word for anything, go back to the word, the word of God, because there's much more that can be covered than we covered this morning. So know what the gifts are. And know what their purposes are. Make sure you're already first obeying the revealed word of God. God in his word has given us so much already that he desires for us to do. Make sure you're already being an obedient follower of Jesus Christ with what he has already revealed. The things that are easy to determine from his word. Don't go looking for special deep insight to your gifting before you're first obeying what God is clearly called to do. The 10 Commandments. Luke sixteen ten. he who is faithful in little is faithful in much. Let's start with the little before we take that big chunk and decide what our gift is. And First Thessalonians 4, for this is the will of God, your sanctification. Are you already growing in all of the other areas Right, I'm not saying leave the spiritual gifts to last. Just keep it in perspective. Make sure you're already um, obeying what God has made clear to us. How about what you naturally gravitate towards? I mean, it's kind of a lot of this is common sense. What was your best subject in school growing up? What what couldn't you wait to get to when you went? To, perhaps if you went to college or trade school, like what was that one thing that you definitely wanted to take this? What books do you choose to read? With all of your free time, right, what books do you choose to read? What do you gravitate towards? Who are the people that you hang out with and associate with? That says a lot about us. What ministries have you already served in in church? What gives you fulfillment, church-related? That's important. What brings you joy? Because It's okay to be fulfilled and, and to enjoy using your gift. That's the way it's supposed to be. It's a gift. We're supposed to enjoy our gift what gives you fulfillment? Basically, what areas of church ministry do you enjoy already serving in, or do you think that you might enjoy? The things that God wants you to do, you'll find enjoyment and fulfillment in. See, when, God, when our will matches up with God's will, then we find great joy. Are people blessed when you serve in a particular way? Are you blessing people? right? Are you receiving unsolicited comments and encouragements? Are others confirming your gift? That's really important. That's a big part of it. Others will confirm your gift. Do you ever have somebody come up to you and say, you know what? You're really good at this. Like, I'm blessed every time that you teach or every time you open your home. Like, you have the gift of think you have the gift of hospitality. I mean, the way that you, you call me every time that, that you hear that I'm in the hospital or I'm, I'm hurting or that family member is sick, you, I'm t- you have the gift of mercy. Thank you for doing that. Anybody ever just confirm those things? Think about those things that other believers have con- been confirming with you. It's what happened with, with Paul and Barnabas and the others as they were, they were sent out from the church of Antioch. They were sent out on their missionary journeys from that church. The church confirmed it and says they gathered and they prayed for them and blessed them and sent them out. The church was saying, I think you'd be a good missionary. I think you'd be a good missionary. What do you think about that? Let's pray about it. Let's help you to develop those skills and then we're gonna send you out. We're gonna confirm you and we're gonna commission you. Other believers can speak into your life about your gifts. How about this one? I thought this was interesting too. What are you most critical of? I hadn't really thought of it that way. And I don't mean criticizing in a bad way, like, ah, that person's not like that. But what are those things that you're very, very critical of? Like, what what do you critique often when it comes to church stuff? Maybe it's because God has given you that gift, and you have this desire through that gift to see it done well with excellence. So perhaps there's something that you're very critical of. And it might show that you have an aptitude towards that because you have a gift from the Holy Spirit. Last two things, and we'll close. How about you just step out in faith? Just start serving. You don't know where to serve. You're not sure. You're kind of thinking through these. You've taken a couple of tests online. You're still not sure. Just step out in faith and serve somewhere. We always need people to serve with the kids. How, how about it's a great time? You know, I've heard, like, if you can teach kids, you can teach adults. hmm Probably harder sometimes to teach the kids, right? A place to start. Always need to, to step out of faith and go and serve. Never know what God's gonna do. You heard Andrew and you had Christopher and Autumn sharing about that, right, about their experience. How about you just do that? Step out in faith and try it. It's been said it's easier to steer a moving car than a parked car. How about you just get moving and try it? Sometimes those things that intimidate you are the things God wants you to do. Peter walked on water and he sank, but at least he got out of the boat. And then how about this? Just start small. You don't have to serve where you get noticed. It doesn't have to be something so significant and profound where everybody knows what's happening and makes a big splash. You will gradually increase your sphere of influence, and the Spirit will do that. As you just take a step and start small, and begin to serve where your giftings are. Church, would you stand? Uh, Earlier as our call to worship, I read from Ephesians 3. I read from Ephesians 3 as an encouragement to find our strength from the Lord. Let me read for us as our benediction, our closing prayer. From the end of chapter 3 of Ephesians, he says this, Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Father God, we thank you for our time together. May we be mindful of the gift and gifts that you have given us. God, help us in our journey of discovery about what those gifts are and how to use them here at Trinity and beyond for the church. We pray, Lord, that we would continue to be a learning and growing and serving church, growing strong and healthy because each one of us is using our gifts to bless each other and to build up the church. God, we can only do it with your strength and through the power and gifting of the Holy Spirit, so we rely upon him. Spirit, now go before us and prepare the way. Lead us, we pray, to be salt and light, the city on a hill, proclaiming the gospel using our gifts to bless each other. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, church. Lord bless you.
1: Okay.